change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podsquibi. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Michael Graham. Mike, it's... Uh, oh, you're going by Michael now? <laughs> I don't know why. I, <laughs> I just want, I just want to change to it, up, it right? up. You know, in, yeah. the, in the intro a little bit. Twitch up. Yeah. So when I was a kid, um, I used to tell people my name was Thomas. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, That's weird. I hated, my, I, I hated my first name growing up. It was, I just, hmm. just felt like such a stupid name. I was like, oh, what a terrible name. And then yeah. I found out that it's a it's a biblical name. My mom got it from her favorite Bible story, Joshua on the Walls of Jericho. And when I was mm-hmm. older, I was like, "Why do you call me Jericho? That would have been a much cooler name." And they were like, "Oh, that would be really, pretty sweet." Well, they said they never really thought of it. And I was like, "Yeah, I guess you know, it's not like Chris Jericho was a thing. Like, I imagine there's a lot of kids named Jericho now because of him, right?" Mm, um, yeah. And yeah, so I hated my name, and then I saw a, a, a like a birth announcement that my parents had, like a, you know what. You know, when you're born, especially when you're born in the 80s, your parents made like that scrapbook of like, here's your baby picture and here's your like birth announcement, mm-hmm. your birth certificate and all that sorts of stuff. And I think my grandparents, my dad's parents put like my name was Joshua Thomas Smith. And I think I just saw that for the first time and just kind of rolled with it. I was like, oh, Tom, Tom's a better name than Josh. So I would like sign my schoolwork like Tom and they'd be like, we don't <laughs> they would contact my parents and they'd be like, he's writing Tom and all this stuff. We don't, he's named, is, he, is that his name? And yeah, it was, it was a whole thing when I was like six and seven years old. I was just a complete, complete goof. So yeah, switching it up, I kind of understand. Um, anyway, uh, that aside, uh, we have a t-shirt to give away like we do every week. Um, I know I'm kind of backlogged. I've been, I've been a bad boy. I haven't sent out a bunch of the more recent winners. Um, I've just been just been very busy, but fear not. Anyone who's listening to the show, you will get your shirt, whether I drop it off in person because you live close enough, or I mail it to you. It will arrive to you sometime in the near future. Do not threat. Do not fret. Do not think that we have forgotten you or that you haven't won. You have, and you will get your shirt in due time. But uh, this past week, we uh, we had. I thought it was kind of fun, and I was actually I kind of maybe spoiled it a little bit because I kept using your can't lose. Uh, moniker throughout like most like I think I even hit you up and like like sent you praise in my three down recap when I said that you would call this a can't lose <laughs> game so it's like if you didn't know what he called this because that was the question what did Mike dub the game against Ottawa and you said it was a can't lose game which I'm, I'm loving by the way like I think that that's I, th- I think we I think our next t-shirt should be we should put like can't lose on it can't lose and, and that's yeah actually, and the next and the next one coming up is also can't lose I I thought you were gonna go that's funny in the uh in the outline here I actually have Mike is this another can't lose game so there you've already there you already go. answered that question so um yeah, Mike dubbed it a can't-lose game, so thanks to our friends at Tarps Apparel for giving us the shirt. We're going to give away another T-shirt today, so if you will be so kind as to give us the drum roll, I will hit the button, and we will find out who wins this week. And our winner is, congratulations to Derek at Mappy0808 on Twitter. Uh, I Happy. believe... He is an Elks fan, so we do reach out to just not just Ticats fans, but Derek has been a loyal listener, hitting us up quite a bit actually. I think on our on our account and and, and giving us some love. So uh, I'm I'm glad to see an OG fan is 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 going to get a shirt. So congratulations, Derek, on your win. We will get in touch soon, and uh, we will send you out your shirt. See, that's the uh, that's the reach the reach of Podsky Wee Wee. Yeah, not only Ticat fans listen to us, but. All fans of every CFL. That's right. Team. We are for everyone. What was yes. not for everyone, though, Mike, was this game this past weekend. But it was for us. In the can't lose game that you dubbed, the Thai Cats absolutely did not lose. Rolling over the Red Blacks, thirty-two to three. Who boy? Where do you want to start in this one? Because it's kind of. It, I think the score a little bit 
doesn't tell you the full impact of the game because it was 8-3 to three at halftime, and you were tweeting from the account, and I saw some of your tweets. I was at the game, and when I'm at the game, I don't tend to be on social media as much. I'm, I'm watching the game. I'm hanging with my friends. I'm not really following along on Twitter, but uh, I did see a couple of your tweets, and one of them was you You were kind of nervous. You're like, this is like they're only up 8-3 to three at halftime over this terrible Red Blacks team, and then the second half mm-hmm. got underway, and it was a completely different story, was it not? Well, excuse me. Uh, yeah, it, it uh, completely turned around, you know. Uh, no points in the first quarter, eight points in the second for the Ticats. And, you know, another low-scoring game at halftime at, uh, I almost called it Ivorwin Stadium, at uh, Tim Hortons Field. It seems that that's been the way this year. But, uh, yeah, they really turned it on in the second half, you know, with some really deep passes. Uh, I thought the O-line played really well to give Mazzoli time to throw those passes. So, it was really good to see this offense come alive in the second half. And it came alive, I think, because of the right arm of Jeremiah Mazzoli. There's obviously a lot of things to talk about in this game, but he was once again absolutely phenomenal in this contest. Uh, I'm going to pull up his numbers here. They were, they were out of this world. 25 of 28. That's an 89% completion percentage. 320 yards, two touchdowns, and another game with zero turnovers. He also carried the ball twice for 33 yards. The last two games, and I know the the one before this was a loss to the uh, to the Argos. Yeah, the Argos, right? Yeah, it was the Argos. It was the Owls? No, it was the Argos. It was the Argos. Um, mm-hmm. be, they had the bye week in between. That's that's what made me forget. Um, I know that he he they didn't win that game, but he was I thought spectacular in that one too. This one he was like I didn't even realize. I remember it went into halftime and we were looking at the stats, and he had one incomplete pass, and it's like okay. And then I see tweets pregame, postgame. About getting rid of him. What's what? What is wrong with Ticat fans? He was phenomenal in this game, and and yet they're they're trying to run him out. I, I don't I don't get it. I, I don't know what this guy's got to do to get the respect he deserves because he was awesome last week against the Red Blacks. I even saw a tweet. I think he tweeted at uh, the Podsky account. I'm not going to name names because I don't remember who it was, but uh, he blamed Mazzoli for Addison's injury because the throw was like. <laughs> It was like, what? That was like a perfect throw. He had to reach out a little bit, but like the the, the ridiculousness of uh, Tiger Cat fans sometimes is uh, amusing. Just with him. And you know what? I got also got to give the, the some of the fans in attendance a little bit of shit here because when Mazzoli got hurt, and it looks like, I, I, oh. I, you can tell me, he, something happened with it. He busted his nose. Did he get punched in the face or something? Yeah, something along those lines. Okay, because like in the stands, you couldn't really tell. We just they just showed a close up of him on the, and he, you could see he was bleeding. Like they had a towel in front of him, he was bleeding, and then he came out with like a tampon in his nose when he came back into the game. Mm-hmm. But when Dane Evans was coming on the field, the fans in the stands started to cheer. Now, I'm hoping that it's happy that Evans is healthy and not what I think it is, and that's happy that Mazzoli got hurt so Evans can come in. Because if it's the latter, that is despicable behavior. And kudos to Dane Evans for coming onto the field and doing the, like, quiet down thing and showing how good of a teammate and basically human being he is. Don't cheer him coming onto the field when he's only coming on the field because the other guy maybe had his nose broken. Like, I just thought that that was, if it was because Mazzoli got hurt and Evans was coming in, if that's why fans were cheering, they need to give their head a shake. That's absolutely disgusting behavior. And especially, yeah. not just because he was having a great game, this is a human being we're talking about here, and you're cheering an injury? Get the hell out of here. Yeah, it could have been anything. They didn't know that it was just a, you know, a minor type thing. And, uh, you know, for a guy like Jeremiah Mazzoli, who's gone through, uh, you know, some injuries, some major injuries, um, to cheer like that is, like you said, despicable. And uh, I also hope that that wasn't the reason. Because we know that, you know, Tiger Cat fans, this is... This isn't a thing in the locker room. This is a thing with the fandom, you know. In the media, the that's, a, that's all it is. It's it's a media-driven, media. fan-driven yep. controversy in the locker room. You're right. Nothing to it. Yeah, this Mazzoli versus Evans stuff is just—it's ridiculous because we just we look at the you know you can just tell the relationship that uh, both these guys have with each other. I mean, they're very supportive of each other, and they 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 both want to play, but they both want to win. So whoever's in there, it doesn't matter. But uh, you know, to be booing or cheering a certain guy doesn't make sense because, you know, Mazzoli had a rough start to the season. I'm not going to deny it, but these last two games, it's like he's been on fire, and we just assumed that this was Dane Evans' team now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dane Evans is, is is healthy enough to come in for those, you know, third and one plunges. So, obviously, he's going to be game ready if he's not game ready already. So, my question to you is, 
is this Mazzoli's team from here on out, or are we going to see another change? If he keeps playing like this, how do you take him off the field? Yeah, it, it's okay. it's funny. We've we've seen both of these guys look really good, and we've seen both of these guys look kind of suspect. I think Mazzoli Mazzoli's Valley was worse than like Evans. Probably worst game was the one against Toronto when he got hurt because the offense wasn't doing much. That was a game they ended up losing by a point, but they didn't score the last touchdown until Watford came in. Like it's not like Dane Evans had come in and just been excellent. Like I thought he was pr- like close to excellent on Labor Day. I thought he was good enough against against the Alouettes in the first game he started. And Mazzoli was absolutely terrible against both Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. Now, the Winnipeg game, I, get, I think, you know, hindsight being what it is, can kind of throw that one out because no one's looked good against Winnipeg's defense. Like, they've made every single quarterback look terrible. Like, like that defense in Winnipeg is head and shoulders the best in the league. I think the Ticats are, are number two, but Winnipeg's defense is, is out of this world good. So, the fact that he looked bad against them. I think everyone's looked bad against them. So I don't think that's really a demerit against him. And he looked, he looked really bad against, against the Rough Riders. Um, yeah. They haven't, they haven't been a great defense all season, but that beginning of the season, the Riders were a really good team starting the season. They were the last undefeated team. So, I mean, I'm not saying we throw out the bad performances. Like Mazzoli was not good enough in those games. If Mazzoli would have been a little touch better against Winnipeg, they probably could, they only lost that game by like, it was it was low double. It was like what seventeen eight or something. Like, it wasn't like it was a blowout. You know what I mean? Like if the offense was a little bit better, they could have pulled that one out. Um, the one against the Riders, I got blown out. But yeah, he was bad in those ones. I'm not taking out of anything out of that. But I don't think Evans at his best has looked as good as Mazzoli has the last two weeks. And I think this is a good problem to have. We've seen every team we've seen has had to deal with quarterback injuries, including the Ticats. Both of these guys have been hurt in this time. So it's good to have two guys in case someone gets hurt. And it's funny that, you know, six weeks ago, we were basically ready to say, no, this is Dane Evans' team now. And now you look at Mazzoli playing and you're like, you remember, you were reminded how good he is too. It's like, man, it's, it's kind of tough. I, I got to think that barring injury or just a completely terrible performance, I think Mazzoli's probably got the range for at least the rest of the season. What about you? Yeah, I'm with you. I think this is uh, Mazzoli's team right now. Uh, you just can't deny the numbers. He can't deny, you know, his performance in the last two weeks. So, um, and the thing is, if he falters, then Dane comes in and he, he'll probably do something good. So, uh, we're we're looking at a pretty good situation right now. And like, you know, another team that uh, we'll get it to get into it later. But uh, they traded away a pretty good quarterback and uh, some insurance that they had uh, going into the playoffs. Yeah, that's pretty scary if you're Toronto. But we'll we'll talk about Toronto in a bit. Um, I, I think the big thing with Mazzoli right now is he's playing turnover-free football. Yeah, there's been a few throws in the last couple of games where you're like, oh, that could have been intercepted or that's not super – like, I mean, against Ottawa, not really. He only had three incompletions. I don't think any of them were really interception-worthy. But against the Argos, I remember he had a couple that could have been picked off. But as long as he's protecting the football and the offense is scoring points somewhat – I mean, in this one they scored 32, but – the, the first half, we do have to talk about the first half because that, it was not good. They they did march down and get the, the first touchdown, and then they give up the field goal, which if you're if you're interested in talking about what the Red Blacks did, I'd, I'd like to get your opinion on, on their decisions on that field goal drive, but we can talk about that after we talk about the Ticats issues in the first half for me. They they weren't good in the first half. Like it was it was another one of those like, oh, here we go again. Like are they gonna are they gonna let a bad team or a team hang around? And then get burned at the end. We watched it happen to him against Montreal. We watched it happen to him against the Argos. Like, is this going to be a replay of the last two weeks? And thankfully it wasn't. But it's, I think that that's still problematic because they're not going to be playing. I mean, they don't play the Red Blacks again the rest of the year. And they're not going to be playing a team at any point the rest of the season, except for maybe this week when they play Edmonton, a team as bad as the Red Blacks where you can kind of have a half of bad football and still win by nearly 30 points. So... I, what were I, I know we, I mentioned the tweet, but how were you actually feeling watching that first half? Did it make you a little nervous? It did make me a little nervous. You know, they scored um, early on in the second quarter, I believe. Um, yeah, it was nothing, yeah. nothing in the first, which was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So, I mean, you go into half 8-3, that's not a big lead. Um, the offense wasn't showing that it could, you know, uh, break away from this team like they actually did in the second half. So, yeah, I was concerned that... Uh, we might be in for another close fourth quarter, you know, with the with the Red Blacks just hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. And 
um, the defense doing a good job, but it can only do so much if it's on the field uh, for like you know most of the second half. So I was I was quite concerned. Yes. Yeah, and then the defense did like the defense was phenomenal. Like yes, yeah. it's the Red Blacks, so you take it with a pinch of salt. But if you look at like look at Caleb Evans' numbers, um, twelve of fifteen for one hundred thirty eight yards, and he had the two interceptions. And then he got pulled for the duck, and we can talk about the duck in a second. But I didn't think Evans was really that bad. I think he's still – I still think he's the guy that should they should be going with, quite frankly. Like, we finally saw Duck Hodges play in this game, and I'm, I've am i been saying for weeks he's not the guy. You saw him play maybe for the – I don't know if he's – I don't. I think you said you didn't really remember him playing for the Steelers. You saw him playing this one for the first time. What was your takeaway from the duck? Are you on my side, or do you think that, he, that maybe there is something there? Because I still think Evans should be the guy in Ottawa. Uh, I mean, he he played for um, you know a short period of time, but the way they looked, it just didn't. He he seemed like he was, I don't want to say out of shape, but uh, he also seemed I don't lost. Know, just, he looked lost. He looked slow. Um, you know, he threw an interception. He was only fifty percent passing. He just did not look good. So uh, I'd have to side with you on that. And. Did you? I, there was a third down gamble, and it wasn't really a gamble. They were down by so much that they had to go for it on third down. And he ran, and he's running towards the sidelines, and he's a good five or six yards away, and it looks like he's running out of bounds, and then he finally gets hit, taken out of bounds. Did he think he was still in the NFL? In the NFL. Like, that's did he think he had another down? Because, like, that's not great. I mean, you play, you, you play four downs your whole life, and then all of a sudden it's three. Maybe, maybe he did have a bit of a brain fart there. Yeah, and did you see? It? I, I I put it out there. Some some guy in Ottawa. I think he works for like TSN in Ottawa. Was like mad that the Tie Cats were celebrating the final touchdown of the game, like calling it. <clears throat> pardon me. I think it was like unclassy. Like, why why do people have such a stick up their ass for for sports like this? Like, can't we just enjoy? Like, yeah, they kick the shit out of the Red Blacks, and they 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 they're at, like they're hat. Like, why is that to be? Why are you nitpicking guys being happy when they like? I don't, I don't, I didn't get the what the anger was about. Yeah, I don't know if it was the same guy, but I listened to uh, some Ottawa personality, sports personality, um, on the, the pregame show on Ticats.ca, and he was saying that uh, Red Blacks could take care of the Ticats because the Ticats have severe, uh, you know, just uh, problems, you know, in their on their whole team. And I was like, what? Really? <laughs> That's like, coming from an Ottawa guy. I mean, you might be right, a little bit right. I mean, we haven't been the best this year, but uh, we're going to beat the Red Blacks. And he just seemed kind of cocky, so maybe it's the same guy. I'm not sure. Wow. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I just... I deficiencies. Mean, I, that was the word. Severe deficiencies. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if, if the Ticats have deficiencies, what the hell do the Red Blacks have? Yeah. They're just... Uh, um, okay. The one thing about the Red Blacks I didn't want to talk about. The, when they, the, the field goal drive. Where they get inside the five yard line, I think they're on the two, and they ran two quarterback sneaks from two yards out. Mm-hmm. Does that make? And then kicks the field goal after they don't get it. Like that might be the dumbest set of plays I've ever seen called by a CFL coach, and it's called by a supposed offensive genius in Paul Lapolis. Like when I saw, I'm literally in the stands going like, "That was the dumbest thing I've ever seen." Say that to my friend. Did you not think the same thing? Like I know you're big on the what, what do you call them, plops, but not from two yards yeah, out. Yeah, like the plops. Not from two yards out. No. And it was, was it Hodges that was doing it too? Yeah, it was. It was the duck. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, duck it was, was big, big boy Hodges with his big butt. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm saying, um, but yeah, that was very strange. I thought there was a couple questionable calls. Like I think he punted uh, from the 49 yard line yeah. three times. Yeah, it's like who's their kicker? They, they, they was the win really bad at Tim Hortons Field I don't that remember day? Like it being that bad on that, that game. But I mean, also, 49 yards isn't short, but, like, every kicker in the league can make that field goal. And Lewis Ward's his kicker. He can, he's got a leg on him. He can get the yeah, 55-yard field goal. It made me scratch my head because, I mean, you make two of those. I mean, you make all three of them. That's nine points. That's a that's a huge difference. And he just kept going for the field possession game plan. But I don't know, man. Like, he has made some questionable decisions in this game and, and all season long, I think. Yeah, it kind of makes you question whether or not he's as great as we thought he was like we see winnipeg mm-hmm. kind of just running over everyone even offensive yeah. i think offensively they're better this year than they were the year they won the great cup so maybe we've given him a little too much uh too much credit for how good winnipeg was but uh back to the defense they forced five turnovers they had three interceptions it was they allowed three points 
this was an absolutely dominating performance. Yeah, it just seems like every week they're uh, they're uh, going out there and doing their thing. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive, really. I, they're damn good. You know, like, let, 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 let's not you know couch our words here. This is a damn good defense. I don't care what anyone says. This is a damn good defense. Yeah, they are. They really are. They had a couple of you know you know last minute drives that uh, you know cost us the game, but uh, you can't really put it on them because. Those games were, you know, they're on the field for for so long, and they did so much the whole game and, and until the last drive. So, uh, yeah, like you said earlier, I think they're the number two defense in the league because Winnipeg is just ungodly with with that defensive line and all that. I mean, they're just they're just great. So, um, yeah, I, I think that the Tiger Cats have one of the best defenses in the league, and if, if the offense is starting to click now too. There was a there was a moment. It was Cario Brooks's interception with. <laughs> did you- he made us all laugh when he's he's dragging the guy by his jersey, like yes, the guy's yes. tugging on his shirt. It's like we're watching it and going. And he he must have ran like a good four or five yards with with that red black receiver just hanging onto him like that. It was it was good for a chuckle. It was kind of a viral moment, I thought, and good for Cario yeah, Brooks. Now leads the league in interceptions. I th- and we talked about him on the show. Criminally underrated, the most probably the most underrated player in the CFL. Out there leading league in interceptions. I think he's been phenomenal this year, and it's nice to see him get kind of that moment where maybe other people start taking, take like seeing what he can do. Yeah, it's a, it takes a funny highlight like that to uh, catch people's attentions. But you're right; he's been amazing all season long. Um, you know who else has been amazing, and I don't think we've talked about him enough: Cameron Kelly, the uh, Sam linebacker yes. for the Tie Cats. Rookie play, like yes, he he's played in the NFL. He's played DB in the NFL. Played with the Pittsburgh Steelers, just like the Duck did. Actually, played on the same team. As uh, as Duck Hodges did, they were on the they were on both on the 2019 Steelers. Um, came in here, won the Sam linebacking job, has started every game at that position, and I think he has been fantastic for a first year player in the CFL. I think he's been awesome at that spot, which is one of the hardest, if not the hardest, on the defense to actually master. He's got coverage skills, he's got linebacker skills. I think as the season has progressed, he's gotten even better. Um, I thought he was he was he, near, he had a near interception in this game. He had a couple of pass knockdowns. He had an interception taken off the board uh, uh, with him in the in the uh, Toronto game off the uh, high hit by Jagarrett Davis. Uh, he's been all over the field. I think he's been phenomenal. I think we're not talking about him enough. I think he's been one of the best coverage linebackers in the CFL this year, and I uh, I stand by that statement. Yeah, it was one of the question marks, right? The, mm-hmm. the strong linebacker position as we we're coming in the season and. He's done a phenomenal job, and I thought that the linebackers as a as a whole have done uh, a great job. You know, Simone, uh, Santos Knox, and another new guy that was coming into the fold this season. So, yeah, I've been impressed with all of them. But, yeah, especially Cameron Kelly because that was a bit of a question mark. Yeah, it's, it's the one question mark I think we had going into the season that we haven't talked about until right now. We are 10 games into the year, and this is the first time we're really talking about that spot. I think it. I think the Ticats found a guy, and uh, hopefully he's around for a few more years. Um, Brandon Banks. We got to talk about Brandon Banks. Do you think he's fighting it? Do you think he knows that he's not had a great season, and now he's kind of pressing a little bit because he dropped a wide open touchdown pass that he would if it, he could have caught it and literally fallen back, and it and it's a score. You you saw it. I saw it from the from the the stands. You saw it from TV. Is is what what are you what are you getting from from Brandon Banks? Is he's clearly not the player he was pre pandemic. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what to think about him. You know, he's been you know injured a couple games this season. Um, when he's had chances to uh, make plays, it seemed like the the play in the previous game here that we're talking about, where it was an easy touchdown catch. Would have been his first of the season, maybe get him off the schneid, and he drops an easy ball. So I don't know if he's dealing with, um, you know, some nagging injuries or he's slowed down a bit and he can't get open as much as he used to. But there's definitely, you can definitely feel the difference from, uh, you know, 2018, 2019 Brandon Banks. Yeah, and I think the scariest thing, if you look at his numbers from this one, he had four catches for 51 yards. Not great, but not terrible. Probably one of his better games of the season, quite honestly. He catches that touchdown pass, which probably would have been a 20-ish yard, 25-yard. You're looking at an 80-yard game on five catches and a touchdown. You're like, okay, that's pretty good. But look at the one column. Yak. One yard. 
That is not what we're used to seeing from Brandon Banks. We're used to seeing that be almost half, if not three quarters of his total yards. To see his yak be just one yard, that's what really concerns me about him going forward. Because he's, he's he not that guy that he's, he, he's not that guy that's going to catch the five yard slant and take it to the house anymore. That that's if he can't do that, that that's a big part of his game gone. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like they're trying to get him the ball mm-hmm. either. You know what I mean? Like they're not designing plays for him. Um, so I don't. I, it's a really big question mark because something is up, right? I mean, yeah. the, you don't. I know they had a year off and all that stuff, but you don't just go from MOP to being invisible on the field in in um, two years. So it's very strange. No, and I I'm I'm hoping like I, we do know that he has the, the, the injured ribs. And that may be slowing him down. Like, I think Orlando Siner said, we won't know how healthy he is until he gets hit for the first time in the game. And, like, he held up and he played the whole game. So I'm, I'm hoping that this is, like, maybe it is just that nagging rib injury. And that's just, that's because you remember early in the season, I, I think it was the Saskatchewan game. He was he was holding his ribs as he was coming off the field. So it's like, maybe he is fighting an injury. And maybe this is just, we mark it up as a, as a down year and he can come back next year. Or maybe this is, sadly, the beginning of the end. I hope it's I hope it's not, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, other bad news from this one is we saw a slew of injuries. You, we touched on slightly jokingly the Braylon Addison injury. Darius Sirocco played like one series and then left the game. Malik Irons had a couple of carries and he left the game. And Sean Thomas Erlington didn't even suit up for this one. So that's a lot of uh, guys on the on the offensive side of the ball. But the Addison one really hurts because he was once again ex- You know what I mean? Like he looks like he hasn't missed a beat, and to lose him and he won't play this week against the Elks. That's a big loss because I think he's kind of opened up the offense. So I'm, I'm hoping that they can find a way to replace him as they did to start the season. But I, to say this is a, to see him out is, is disheartening would be an understatement for me. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that first quarter, I think he had four or five catches already. Yeah. So the chemistry between Mazzoli and Addison is through the roof. So to lose him was a big loss. Yeah, it's uh, hopefully this. I know it's a hamstring injury. Hopefully it's not something that lingers and we can get, at least get him back for the playoffs or the like this game against the Elks is not, you, you said you can't lose it. It, it worries me a little bit. We'll get into the, the reasons why later, but it's, it's one they should probably win, but they're going to need him at some point during these last three games after this one, if they hope to make a move up the standing and hopefully get a home playoff game, if not secure first in division. Um, we got to hand out a player of the week and it's rare that you and I agree to do the same player back-to-back. But was there any question that the player of the week this week for the Ticats was Jeremiah Mazzoli? Was there anyone even close? No, I don't think so. Maybe maybe on the defensive side of the ball, but they just... Everyone, mean, was, good. At, Everyone was good. On, there, there was not one guy yeah. on defense. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you agree. It was a total defensive effort, whereas on mm-hmm. offense, as good as some of the other guys was, Mazzoli was on fire. Yeah, t- uh, 25 of 28, 89.3 percentage. 320 yards, two touchdowns, and, and once again, zero interceptions. And the guy was chucking it down the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this offense is about, you know, not all about, but a big part of it is those deep passes, and I just love it. I love seeing that in the CFL. We need to see more of it. Um, so Jeremiah Mazzoli is our, for the second straight week in a row, is our Posse player of the game. Yeah. Tim White had a long of 20. Speedy B had a long of 21. Stephen Dunbar had a long of 22, and Addison had a 60. So, like, those are chunk plays. And he, Mazzoli also had a 26-yard run of his own. Like, you're right, mm-hmm. the, the big plays, what we've kind of been missing in the CFL this year, Mazzoli had a, had a bunch of those in this one. If you make if you make four or five of those a game, you're going to come out with a victory, and, and you're going to get our kudos as the player of the game. So, yeah, definitely, definitely very, very deserving of being our Potsky player of the week for this one, without a doubt. Hopefully he can go, uh, he can go in Edmonton, make it three for three, and then... I mean, he'll basically have sewn up player of the year for, for Podsky. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. I mean, uh, traditionally, he has played very well at Edmonton, so hopefully it uh, continues. He has. Hopefully he'll set another record because, yeah, he's, he's kind of yeah. lit them up, hasn't he? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think he likes playing Edmonton almost as much as he likes playing Toronto because he, he kicks mm-hmm. the teeth down the Argos throw, which is good because we got a game coming up against the Argos in a couple of weeks that hopefully he's healthy for and can go out there and, and maybe knock them down and have a chance to steal in first place because, uh, oh, boy, with – with Montreal at six and four, Toronto at six and four, and Hamilton at five and five, this is going to be a fun stretch run. I, I didn't expect yeah. the Ticats to be in this position, but now that we're here, this is going to be a lot of fun with these three teams jockeying for first, second, and third. Yeah, we got a good race in the East. So uh, you know, three teams that uh, 
you know, two teams above 500, one at 500. You don't see it very often. Usually there's one really good team in the East and then, you know, a 500 team in second, and then there's the crossover. But it's going to be nice for a change to see, a, you know, a decent race down the stretch. Yeah, we know Ottawa's eliminated. Edmonton's virtually mm-hmm. eliminated. BC is just taking a tumble, and BC plays Hamilton uh, in, in two weeks' time. So that could be a game where the Ticats, if they get the win, and it's in Hamilton – maybe knock BC out because it would be like the crossovers there for a reason. And I don't have a problem with the best teams getting in the playoffs, but it'll be nice if the East is, is Hamilton, Montreal and Toronto and a true East Mm -hmm. team will come out of the East to, uh, to, to, to represent the East in the great cup. And hopefully it's the Ticats. Um, okay. It's been a while. I mean, yeah, 2015, 2015. I remember because the Argos played Hamilton in a East, uh, the East semi and Hamilton went to Ottawa that was uh, when the year Caleros got hurt. The Hamilton would have won the Grey Cup that year. Right. You'll never convince right. me otherwise. Yep. Caleros would have won MOP. But Caleros might get his MOP this year, which is uh, good for him. All right. Uh, Red Blacks, out of the playoffs, and now without a general manager, they finally pulled the pin on the Marcel Desjardins era. Did you see some of his quotes after this? <laughs> yeah. Talking about they yeah. made a mistake, and the tweet he sent out, I'm going to go get to spend time with my wife. Mm-hmm. Seems to me this guy's... A doofus. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Like, well, yeah, it's cool you want to spend time with your wife, but is that really the first thing you say after you get fired from a job that yeah. supposedly was was your life? And and to say that they made a mistake, like, have you seen the product on the field? Have you seen the players you've given your coaching staffs? If he didn't see this coming, he's, he's kind of an idiot, is he not? Yeah, the, the way he reacted seemed like a like a scorned yes. uh, girlfriend or a scorned boyfriend or, you know, you, you get can't fired fire me, I quit. You're like, I quit anyways, yep. I quit. You yep, know? that's exactly so, what it felt like. Yeah. Oh, so, she said Oh, she I mean, said no to me? Well, she's ugly anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he just seems like a silly man, doesn't he? He just, um, he's like, I don't care. Well, I don't care, I lost my job. Like, whatever, dude. Like, uh, I get it. You want to spend time with your family, that's great and all, but... Uh, some of those comments were just a little bit ridiculous, and uh, he just comes off, um, you know, what's the word? Uh, not mature, immature. Oh, okay, you know immature, what I mean? Yep. So, so I, I'd be surprised if he get another if he gets another job in the CFL as a GM, because yeah, I won a Grey Cup uh, with Ottawa, but his overall record's terrible. Uh, same with same with Rick Campbell, really. I mean, mm-hmm. he won a Grey Cup in Ottawa, but his overall record is just not good, and we, we're seeing BC kind of fall apart as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it was time. And, you know, you never want to see anyone get fired, but they, it just had to happen. You couldn't sell Red Blacks fans on another year of this. No. It's been two years. They don't look any better this year than they did they did the last season. Like, they, they just look... They, the talent's not there. And they have some good players. I think their defense is actually really good. Um, I think they got some really good players on that defense. Uh, Devontae Dedman, the returner, I think is excellent. Maybe the best returner in the CFL right now. Um, but they haven't got the they, – they, they went to a Grey Cup and then let the starting quarterback of that team and almost the entire receiving core and the left tackle and the running back leave. Now, Sir Vincent Rogers has barely played. Um, actually, Santino Filoso for Three Down, my colleague at Three Down, has an excellent article on not – it's it's a little – it's not – I wouldn't say it's it's pro Desjardins, but he gives kind of context to some of the moves he made. Like, obviously, Trevor Harris, as, as you are well aware, Mike, has stunk mm-hmm. for the better part of two seasons. Yeah. Greg Ellingson's been kind of invisible in Edmonton, but is that a – who knows if that what the reasons for that is. Sir Vincent Rogers has been hurt. William Powell has been excellent with, with the riders, so that was a mistake. But I still think that letting those guys walk, and especially in the manner they did, like when Trevor Harris comes out and was like, I didn't hear back from them. Like, is that the way you treat any anyone, let alone a guy you once considered your, like, franchise player? Like, it just seemed weird how everyone, how, how that kind of played out and, and, and what we heard about it. And you brought up that the records are terrible, and it's kind of true. Like, yeah... You're gonna. He's always gonna have that Grey Cup ring. That was an under 500 team that just happened to play the game of their lives in the Grey Cup, and it's one of the reasons why everyone's saying like, "Oh, Winnipeg's gonna walk all over everyone." It's like, well, we've seen this story play out a few times before. I mean, yep. especially if it's again, I don't want to 
jinx anything or any. If this is a home Grey Cup for Hamilton, like we saw a really good Stampeders team go into Toronto in the Grey Cup and get demolished by a mediocre. I mean, it was a nine and nine Argos team who didn't clinch the playoff spot until the very last game of the season, where they had to beat a Ticats team that was awesome offensively and terrible defensively, and they still only won by three. You know what I mean? Like, the Argos hadn't... That wasn't a great Argos team. Um, but they get a home gray cup, and they absolutely piss-slapped the Calgary Stampeders in a game where Calgary was really never in it. Like, the final score looks way closer than it actually was. So everyone's saying, oh, Winnipeg's, Winnipeg's going to roll the gray cup. I mean, two years ago, Hamilton's Head and shoulders lapped the field. Oh, they're going to walk all over everyone. They got the crap kicked out of them in the Grey Cup. So yeah. before we start, like, anointing Winnipeg as champions, anointing. let's, let's yes. let us let it play out. But with the Red Blacks, the same sort of thing. Like, they made the playoffs a couple of times under 500. They won a Grey Cup under 500. They had two winning seasons in the entire time that Desjardins was there. It's not really that great when you think like they have a 12 win and 11 win season and every other season is under 500 and some of those seasons are two three wins that 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 points to me to to someone who doesn't really have an eye for talent no he 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 uh you know i don't want to say he got lucky with that great cup run but that's the thing about the cfl right you can you can have a below 500 record mm-hmm. and have a great cup ring you know what i mean um, which is kind of unfortunate, but that's just the way it is within nine-team leagues. So unless they're going to go to four playoff teams, and that's just the way it's going to be uh, in the CFL. So he uh, has ran his course. Um, you know, a lot of people get second chances, and maybe he will get another chance at uh, a GM job, but he definitely, um, you know, the fans were calling forward in Ottawa. He was not a very liked man, especially the last two years, two seasons. So... Um, the question is, who are they going to bring in? And there's some, there's some options out there. So I think better options than him. Yeah. I just worry that any option they bring in will have to keep Paul Lapolis as head coach. Mm. And I'm not sure if he's the guy. I'm really not. I think that as we said it earlier when we were talking about the game. I think I'm not going to say the game has passed him by, but whatever he's doing offensively, it's not working. And maybe he doesn't have the guys to do it, but I don't know. I'm starting to wonder if maybe we over overhyped La Police the last few years with how good he had done in Winnipeg. Yeah, I think it's a possibility. I mean, Winnipeg won that great cup with great defense and a running game. And Andrew right? Harris. Like, I mean, yeah. give, 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 uh, like, look, I, we, I cracked my jokes about Andrew Harris and, and the steroids and, and the, the PEDs and everything. The dude's a hell of a player. And it, whether he's clean mm-hmm. or not, he's a hell of a player. And he's going to the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like, Give any offensive coordinator a Hall of Fame level running back that's picking up seven, eight yards of carry, you're going to win a lot of football. You're going to look like a genius no matter who you are. Yeah. And then get a quarterback that can come in and run the ball as well, mm-hmm. like Chris Trevler did. Yeah. So, and get a quarterback like Jack Claris who protects the football. Like, it's all yeah. kind of there. Yep. So I think I think we might have, you know, overhyped Paul Apolise. Maybe he's just a coordinator, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but like, you know, he's maybe he's like a George Cortez. You know, mm-hmm. he's a great coordinator, not a great head coach. Yeah, and like he was okay when he was head coach in Winnipeg. He was a scapegoat when he got fired by Joe Mack. Like that's like they they went to a Grey Cup and then they started to falter and then they 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 canned him. I don't know, if, but I do we know if he would have turned it around? Like everyone's like, oh, we should he should have gotten longer turned around. It's like, well, should he have? And then we see what he's doing in Ottawa. And yeah, maybe the players aren't there, but. He had a say in some of those players. He had a say in bringing Matt Nichols in who can't throw a ball. He had a say in keeping Dominic Davis, who's not a, like they haven't got the quarterback position right. If you don't have the quarterback position right in the CFL, you're, you're doomed. Like, and that's why I'm a little scared with what the Argos have done. If I'm an Argos fan, but we'll get to that in a second uh, once we're done with talking about Dan. But yeah, if you don't have a quarterback, you can't win in the CFL. It's just as simple as that. No, and they they might have the quarterback of the future in Evans, but. I mean, if they go with him, how how long does he have to struggle? How long is this team yeah. going to be bad for? Uh, so, you know, I think Paul Apolise, I think he should get another year, and I think he will get another year at least. But, uh, you know, he's made some questionable calls, like I said earlier, and uh, it's going to hang over his head a little bit. Well, and it's going to be fun. It's going to give us something to talk about during the winter months, right, When after the season's mm-hmm. over in December. This will give us something to talk about in the new year because I'm sure this this GM search is going to go on. For, for a little bit, and we'll, we'll find out who the next head man in, in Ottawa is and what becomes of that team. Because uh, if I'm a fan of theirs, I'm I'm happy because at least this is 
at least it's not the same. It's not the status quo. You're, you're at least trying to change things up. So, I mean, I don't want them to get better, but hopefully for their sake, they this will this will start to make them at least a little more competitive. Um, the CFL trade deadline came and went. Uh, we didn't really have any trades. Actually, I don't think we had a single trade. What a trade. doozy. Yeah. What an exciting day, Joe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Where, where, where was Trade Center all day on TSN? Yeah, I think right. I understand why they don't do that stuff. But the day yeah. before we had a trade, and this was kind of a big one, the Argos mm. traded Nick Arbuckle to the Edmonton Elks for a 2022 third-round draft pick and the Neg rights to quarterback Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly is the nephew of former Buffalo Bills great and Hall of Famer Jim Kelly. And Rod Black just re- just left TSN. Come on, man. Uh, it's a shame. It's That's a damn a shame. shame. Um, the third-round yeah. pick becomes a second-round pick if Arbuckle signs an extension and stays in Edmonton. Arbuckle, so I wrote this on Twitter, and I'm curious your reply. The Arbuckle-Nichols trade, quote-unquote, because they weren't traded for each other, but they were both released and then signed with the teams that released the other one. Is this the most talked-about, dissected, discussed move that amounted to absolutely nothing in CFL history because it's got to be up there, right? Like yeah, we talked I about so. Nichols and Arbuckle, and it meant dick. It did mean dick, and it, you know it's uh, it's it has been discussed a lot, and uh, now it's you know it's it's over. Um, Arbuckle in Edmonton is an interesting move. Um, I think that there's a lot of potential there with Arbuckle. He's fairly young. I think he's 28 years old. Um, I liked what I saw most of, of the time when he was with Toronto, the, the chances that he had. So um, it's a new beginning for the Elks, and uh, hopefully for them, this is the answer at quarterback because I don't think Cornhole is. No, UConn Cornelius, I don't, I don't think he's the guy. Um, no. I'm just kind of surprised that the Argos, after – what was McMagic's worst game of the season against yeah. the Alouettes? That's when you trade your insurance policy. It's very like, strange. Do they really like Tony Pumpkin that much? Where yeah. he like, and again, I'm not. I think McLeod Bethel Thompson has been mostly great this year, but the reason we called him McMagic is because he is the Ryan Fitzpatrick of the CFL. Like he yeah, is. You just don't know. One game he can look like a world beater, and the next he can look like he did against Montreal, where he can't complete a pass. Like this is the mm-hmm. guy that you're pinning your great because they're they're in second place right now, but they're tied for first. They're a game up on on the Tie Cats. Like this is the guy you're pinning Grey Cup hopes on. That that scares me a little bit, especially because I don't think Antonio Pipkin's going to be the guy that comes in if he struggles and leads the Argos to a championship. No, I think uh, Antonio or Tony Pumpkin can uh, <laughs> you know do really good things on uh, you know short on sneaks and you know you can get outside the the pocket and run run the ball and on a QB sneak and he's he's a fast guy and all that stuff but and there was high expectations when he was first in the league that he could be a starter um eventually but it kind of fell off a cliff for him so it's just a it's questionable the timing cuz you were you know four games from the playoffs um if someone gets hurt they would have had a capable backup to come in um, and like you said, he has his worst game against Montreal, and then they decide. You think it's a cap move? Like I'm not sure, but like it, it's just very interesting. And and the, the the response from the the Argo fans has been interesting as well because the the majority of them are questioning this move as well. Yeah, I don't know if it's a cap move because we talked about them in the cap, and a bunch of those guys that they signed never actually ended up playing for the team. Like Martavius True. Bryant never came up here. Kendall Wright, I don't think ever got on the field. Like we talk about. We talked about the cap moves. Like, Odell Willis was cut. Like, Carlson Hughes has been injured. Like, a lot of those big-name guys that they brought in outside of the receiving position haven't really played. So it's not as if... Like, I don't... like, And people are probably going to say when it comes up the end of the year, the Argos didn't go over the cap. They're going to, like, say, oh, the league's covering up for them or whatever. If you kind of look at their roster and all those guys that they brought in, not a lot of them actually ended up seeing game time, so they didn't end up paying them anything. So... I don't. I don't know. Like this late in the season, you're giving up four game checks. Like I don't know how much cap savings that's actually going to bring you. But maybe mm-hmm. it is. Maybe they're so close to the cap. This is a move. But even so, it's it still seems like a head scratcher just because of of the insurance factor. We have seen in this league over the last number of years, you need two quarterbacks because at some point, and I know we're late in the season, so maybe an injury is not likely. But ineffectiveness with McLeod Bethel Thompson is likely. 
Like, there's there's a chance that he's going to completely shit the bet against someone. Hopefully it's in a couple of weeks against the Ticats in a game that could have implications on first place and would be the deciding factor in a tiebreaker between these two. Well, they're not running the ball on us. They're not running the ball no. on us. So he's going to have to do some He's going to have to throw it. You, you want to throw it yeah. in the secondary? You want to yeah, yeah, yeah. send him back there yeah. against his pass rush? Just yeah. have him have him go back 40 times? That You're playing with fire there, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that, that's mm-hmm. a discussion for another time. Are you surprised that the Argos gave up on Arbuckle this soon, though? Like, I'm very surprised. Ryan Dinwiddie, very. Ryan Dinwiddie was his offense coordinator in Calgary. They made a big deal about bringing him in. He doesn't even last yep. a season. Yep. It, it, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's not like he was terrible when he was in there. I mean, I think he, he probably got, I think he got pulled maybe once or twice. Um, but in other games, like, I think he was a starter against Winnipeg when they won. Mm-hmm. Was he not? Yeah, I I'm think pretty sure he was. Yeah. He was. And they look really, really good uh, offensively in that game against the best defense in the league. So, uh, and I don't. Uh, do you know how old Mitch uh, uh, Magic is? Oh, he's, he's got to be in his thirties. He's in his thirties. He's like thirty-two, thirty-three. Right. So we're talking about a five, four or five-year gap between Arbuckle and Thompson. So I don't know, man. I mean, if they want to do that, that's cool with me. But it's uh, it's quite questionable. It's. Um, I think it's very similar to what the Ticats have right like you're mm. wondering do they go with the veteran or do they go with uh they go with the younger guy yeah mcleod bethlehem just looked it up on my phone he's 33 years old um okay so he's around the same age as jeremiah mazzoli and arbuckle's around the same age as dane evans like it's an interesting like that's the same sort of conversation we're having here with the tie cats um what do you think about this for the elks though? does this feel like a we're kind of giving up on this season we're gonna because sooner or later they're they're not far from being completely eliminated from playoff contention. Um, mm-hmm. Is it does this feel more like a okay we're, we we kind of know that we're done we're kind of punting on this season we're going to see what we got for next season because our buckles only signed till the end of the season they're going to want to get him on the field to know what he can do before too long right Yeah, you'd think that'd be. I mean, they're they're not going to make the playoffs. I know that they're not mathematically eliminated, but no, but they're terrible. No. That team is terrible, and uh, they're not. They're not. Maybe they win one more, but I don't think so. I don't think they win any more games. You know, well, I, I don't want to jinx the, yeah. the next game, but yeah. but I have a good feeling about it. So, uh, I, yeah, I think this is just an evaluation type thing. Bring him in, get him some reps, see how he does in this in that terrible offense for whatever reason. Um, you know, they got a lot of talent there, but it just didn't click this season. So. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's interesting, right? They have Trevor Harris at the start of the season. He's supposed to be the guy. Then they go to Cornelius, and they kind of made it sound like he was the future. And now they trade for Arbuckle. So, um, yeah, it's just a mess. It's a it's a mess of a team, a mess of an organization right now. So um, I'm hoping that they can turn it around a little bit so I can actually watch some decent football in the future years. But, but uh, I'm not sure how quickly it's going to happen. Between the two teams, Ottawa and Edmonton, if these were stocks, who are you mm. buying more stock in? Are you buying Ottawa stock or are you buying Edmonton stock right now? Because right now they're at their lowest point price-wise. Yeah. Which team do you think is more likely to right this ship? Wow, that's a tough one. That is a very tough one. Should we punt uh, this till the offseason? I, can, I, can I tell you what my answer is? Go ahead. Mine's dependent on what they do with the front office. Brock Sunderland's not a good yeah. job, man. No. Jamie Elizondo is not a good head coach. If they stick with that group, I'm buying Ottawa stock. If and you got to just... think that they maybe are. I mean, the 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 move that you know they're making moves now. Do you let them um, trade for a future franchise quarterback if you're going to fire them at the end of the season? Probably not, right? Right. And then are you going to fire? Are you going to tell uh, the radio station to fire an analyst because he was critical of the GM if he's not going to be around next yeah. season? You know what I mean? So I think they're they're committed to these guys, and I think they're going to be around for at least one more year. Then give me give me Ottawa stock all day because I do not trust this this brain trust in Edmonton. They have gotten worse and worse and worse every year under Brock Sunderland. Their record has gotten worse, and yep. now they're going to miss the playoffs. Yep. Give and me. they're just you know they're they're terrible on the field, and they've got uh, you know every tweet you see Edmonton put out, its comments are filled with fire Brock Sutherland. Yeah. And I'm not coming back until you fire him. So the PR has been terrible. The team has been terrible, and I don't see it turning around anytime soon. Can you believe how far they've fallen? I can't. I mean, it's pretty sad when you go to a game and, uh, you know, they're pretty much already out of it and there's only ten to 15,000 people in the stands when there used to be, you know, back in the day, day 
50 to 60,000 sold out Commonwealth Stadium. And even recently, 30 you know, something, right? 40, yeah, 40,000 for the uh, the Rough Riders when they come to town, close to that when the Stampeders are here for the rematch, Liberty rematch. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a sharp decline. All right. Well, you're going to be in attendance for the sharp decline that is Friday night's game in Edmonton featuring our Tiger Cats. The Elks are coming off a bye. They're fighting for their playoff lives. The Tiger Cats will not have Braylon Addison. They'll probably be without Malik Irons. We don't know about Sean Thomas Erlington. You earlier said this is another can't-lose game, but I don't know. Maybe it's just the way this team has played this year. I am really nervous about this for a couple of reasons. We haven't really seen the Ticats string back-to-back great games together. The Montreal-Toronto uh, 1-2 to get them off the schneid earlier in the season was probably their best two-game stretch. Um, but this this one makes me a little nervous. Edmonton hasn't won at home yet, and you got to think, unless they are truly awful, like true, like we're talking bottom of the end, maybe they are. Maybe I'm just, you know, looking at Edmonton because they're always usually at least decent. And I'm thinking there's no way they're going to lose every home game this year. This one, I don't know. It scares me. Are you going to tell me that I'm, I'm being foolish here? You've, no, watched more, you've watched more Edmonton than I have. Uh, so They've been bad. They've been, they've been, been yeah. really bad. I mean, the two and outs and the constant punting is has been terrible. And their, their defense hasn't been that great either. So... I mean, everything points to a TICAT victory, but yes, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm still nervous about this game because just of the lack of consistency from the Tiger Cats this season, you, know, you come out here, you're p- playing a team that's, you know, fighting for their lives, but basically, um, you know, they're just going to, they're just going to throw, throw the kitchen sink at, at anybody else they play this season because there's nothing left to really play for. I mean, I know that they could get in the playoffs, but it, it's not going to happen. So, um, Cornelius, you know, has had some success with the deep balls. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit worried about that, um, but you just you just never know. So, and I'm also worried because I'll be in attendance, and you know, it's been a good stretch for me going to Ticat games here in Edmonton. So maybe they're due for a loss, you know. And I hope not. And you're right; they haven't won at home. Edmonton hasn't. And uh, you know, if they're going to win one game that's left, I think it's going to be against the Ticats because they play the Rough Riders in the last game, and I don't think they're going to win that one. So. They're going to have to go winless at home if we're going to win this one. Oh, that makes me nervous. You got to, I mean, they yeah. are a really bad team though. And like, maybe and it's he, all like the, the game before the bye, they looked decent against Winnipeg. Maybe that, but I think Winnipeg played kind of their worst game. The second mm-hmm. one they played against Edmonton, but yeah, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just being, maybe, maybe it's the, the overly hesitant tie cat fan in me. That's just like, well, it can't go this right. Can it? Like, there's got to be something that gums up the works. And we've seen this team this year, too, play teams that, quite frankly, they probably should have beat. And, like, th- those two games against Toronto and Montreal, they should have won those games. I know that they're in the – like, all three of those teams are probably about the same talent-wise. Like, record-wise, they're pretty close, and I think it, they're pretty even. They, they should they had double-digit leads in both those games and lost. Like, they allowed the Argos score, what, like 18, 20 points in the fourth quarter? They gave up a two-touchdown lead in the second half to Montreal. Like they both should at home, both, both at, at home. home. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Both at home. They should have won those games, but then maybe they, maybe the second half against Ottawa kind of got them, them rolling a little bit. And Edmonton did lose to Ottawa twice. So maybe mm. Edmonton is, is just as bad, if not worse than, than the Red Blacks. I don't know. There's something about this that scares me, but maybe it's one of those ones where I'll be scared. And then going into the game, it's like, Oh, it's, it's 14, three at halftime. Oh, it's 27, six, entering the fourth quarter. Oh, what did we have to, we'll come back next week. Like what, what did we have to worry about? This was an absolute shit kick. And then we can get into the real meat of the schedule that, that scares me, which is the last three games. But yeah, there's just something about this that in the pit of my stomach, I'm just worried, but I think I've been that way almost all year. Like I, as, as confident as I was after the first two games, right? Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's a, I mean, if the offense plays well, we're going to win this game because Mm -hmm. the defense isn't going to shit the bed. Right. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna do their thing. They're gonna help hold the uh, Elks to you know I don't know ten to twenty points or something like that. I think. And uh, if the offense can be efficient and do their thing, Jeremiah Mazzoli's on point. The offensive line is is good. Uh, then we should walk away with this with an easy victory. But that being said, you just never know. You never know. You do never know. I think if you're the Elks, you got to think you're scoring probably. You have to score probably at least twenty four. And I don't know if they can do that. Because, like, the Ticats, Ticats score between, you know, 24, 27 seems to be their 
If they if, if they don't let Edmonton get if Edmonton scores three touchdowns, then it's a game. If the Ticats defense yeah. hold them to two or under, Hamilton's going to win. They've only they've allowed thirty points in one thirty points or more in one game this year. Like yeah, it, yeah. It's the defense has done their job. If the offense plays, if the offense is middle of the road and scores twenty seven to thirty points, which I mean would be an explosion for the CFL this year, then yeah, the Ticats will win this game. So. Is Edmonton's defense bad enough to let that up? They probably are. You, you know, James mm-hmm. Wilder's probably been their best player, but we know Hamilton's run defense is exceptional. We saw William Stanback go for 200 yards against the Argos. I don't think he had more than 100, barely over 100 yards total against Ticats in two games. So, yeah, I'm okay. Maybe, maybe, and talking about it with you has 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 lessened my my worry for this. And now they're they're going to lose, and I'm going to be like, oh, why did I change my mind? <laughs> Well, that's the thing, right? Like I said about the other game that we were talking about, um, if they take Wilder out of the situation, um, the Elks are going to be in trouble because Cornelius can do some things. He's he's going to throw interceptions, though. He's going to throw some interceptions, just like Evans did last week against uh, the Ticats. So, um, listen, we should win this game, and I think we will win this game. But but, uh, going into it, you just feel a little nervous just because of the up-and-down season we've had, the 500 record. Yeah, if they were going into this game seven and three, I wouldn't be worried at all. No, five and five, and they're still fighting for playoff positioning. And like every game, this this is a this is a pressure packed game because they only have one more against an East Division opponent, and it's a big one against Toronto. They got to win these games against the West and hope that uh, that Montreal and, and Toronto can find some at least one. I mean, if they beat the Argos, that probably helps them get over the Argos for at least second place. But then they do need the good thing is if they beat the Argos, they have the tiebreaker over both Montreal and Toronto mm-hmm. because they'll yep. have because they only lost the Argos twice by one point, but they blew out the Argos in the first game. So a one point win for the Ticats gives them the season series. They already have they only played Montreal twice, but they have the total points season series against the Alouettes. So if these teams finish in a three way tie, Hamilton I would think would would get first place. And like at the end of the day, that's really all. Because if they get first place and they host the East Final, they're going to the Grey Cup. Like if they, and I think honestly, if they get second place and host the East Semi, I think they get to the Grey Cup. Because I think they can go, especially if Toronto wins the division, they go into Toronto for an East Final. That stadium's going to be fifty percent Ticat fans. And yeah, I think, and you know, you, no, go ahead. no, no, go go on. I was just going to say, they, yeah, they, can go, like, they can go into Montreal and, and win. A, we've seen them do it this year, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't, especially on Montreal without. Vernon Adams. Like, Montreal's now... Like, I think Matthew Schiltz has been really good in the mm-hmm. games he's played. I don't necessarily know if he's good enough to get them to a Grey Cup, but we would have said... I mean, fans of other teams probably would have said, said the same thing about Dane Evans two years ago, right? When, he, when he came True. in for, for Mazzoli, because they didn't know who I he said, was. I said that. I mean, as soon as Mazzoli went down, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I tweeted out, oh, the season's over. Yeah, same, same here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, oh. I, I was right with you. I was like, this is this is Caleros yeah. all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the Hamilton plays Edmonton Friday night, as we're talking about. And then the next day, BC at Toronto, Saskatchewan and Montreal. So those are two losable games for Toronto and Montreal. So if we win this game against the Elks, which we should, um, then the the and the Toronto and Montreal lose their games, we will be you know Three, maybe tie. we won't be actually tied, but we'll have the same record as yep. Toronto and Montreal. So huge game. Yeah, huge yeah, game. it's it's um it as much as I was hoping the Ticats would right now be ten and zero. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a fun end of the season. If, if all these, yes. especially if all these teams make the playoffs, which I hope they do, and I think they will. I don't. I think BC is kind of stumbling right now. Um, that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, the, you know, these last couple of weeks makes up for a lackluster season of, of yeah. CFL football. Maybe we can get some really good games going down the stretch here. Yeah, especially heading into playoffs. I think if we can get a really exciting playoffs, we'll forget about everything that happened during the mm-hmm. regular season. It's the ending that matters. That's why everyone always talks about like. Games with a great ending. So that was a great game. I was like, was it? Was it really? Because it kind of sucked for the first 45 minutes. But yeah. anyway, that's uh, that's another conversation for probably some off-season topics when we discuss things to, to make the league better. Because it was it has not been a banner year in 2021 for the... Unless you the love defense. Unless yeah. Love See, and I've seen people be like, oh, it's... Oh, you don't like what's going on. You don't like good defense. No, what I don't like is terrible offense. Because it's not just mm-hmm. been good defense. It's been some bad offense. Like, the offenses in yep. Edmonton and Ottawa suck. Like that's not that's not good defenses playing them. That's just terrible offense. And the, and the Hamilton offense sucks. Has not been great. No, not too. at all. And I don't yeah. think Calgary's been all that all that explosive. Yeah. 
Like, Winnipeg's been so dominant. I think it, their offense has been okay. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I think the Owls lead in points per game with, like, tw- just maybe a touch over a touch below 24 points per game. Like, that's not – that in the CFL, that's, that's, that's nothing. And the thing about defense in the CFL is – punting it's like it's so quick you know yeah two quick plays 20 second play clock two quick plays punt you know and that's what i've seen all season long in edmonton and it's just like my goodness this is not entertaining but but if that's your thing then uh you know that's your thing but i don't think it's much i just seen people on twitter that are just like i don't know what you're talking about you don't like you don't really like football you just like but that's what the cfo is supposed to be yeah it's supposed to be you know, high offense, you know, big plays. That's that's the appeal of the CFL. If you wanted to watch defensive football, you would have watched the NFL back in the day. You know, it's not like that anymore. But that's the appeal of the CFL. That's why people watch. They want to see, be entertained by offensive explosions, uh, good offensive production. Not good defense and a million punts a game. So no, you can appreciate good defense, but you, yes, watch the CFL, you watch the CFL for big plays, explosive plays. Mm. What, what's the most memorable play that we can like when you think of greatest high catch plays of the last ten years? What do you think of Brandon Banks two punt return yep. touchdowns? You don't think of yep. a, a pick six even. You know what I mean? Which is an exciting no. play. You think of oh, what's the best play from the twenty nineteen East final? Oh, that, that touchdown pass from Evans to to Banks when he dove and caught the ball. Like those are the mm-hmm. plays. Like those are what sticks out in your mind. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's not yeah, it, it's Tony Chan like. The 89 Grey Cup, what's what's the play that everyone remembers? Even Riders fans, oh, it's Tony Champion's catch. It's mm-hmm. not and, – and the greatest Grey Cup of all time was 1989. What was the final score of that? 43-40. to 40. One of the best games in the NFL yeah. in recent years was a 53-50 to 50 game. People like offense. I'm sorry. It is what it is. Yeah. That's why – the NBA's the three-point explosion. People love watching people score. That's the – Every yeah. sport. Every, every sport. sport they every try sport to get is, more offensive. Absolutely. You know, the NBA is, is different than it was in the 80s. Yep. It's not as physical. There's more points. The NHL, they've been trying to get more goals. Yep. That's what sells to the, you know – The casual the, the fan. Regular, They're yeah, trying the to make fan. changes in soccer. They're trying mm-hmm. to make – there's people talking about an over-and-back rule in soccer to try to promote more scoring. And you know how staunch people in soccer are against new rules? You know how hard it was to get friggin' video replay into soccer? They don't like yeah. making changes. And even they're like, hey, maybe like, – and yeah, it was one person. And I know you're not a big soccer fan, so I won't belabor the point. But they're even trying to make things so it's like we gotta, we got to increase scoring. And every – if every sport – like why be the, the, uh, the, the devil's advocate saying, no, 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 there's nothing wrong? Like, the CFL has not been entertaining this year. I'm sorry, it hasn't. I love it. I've watched a lot of games, but this past Saturday, I was sitting on my couch and there were CFL games on. All I went to the Ticats game, and there were two other CFL games on. Normally, five years ago, I would have been glued in. But you know what? I was switching back and forth between that and the college football games because the college football games were friggin' exciting, and it was high scoring. There's some games in college that get 70 points. That's awesome. Like. Mm-hmm. Casual fans, if you're not emotionally connected to a team, like I was, if the Ticats won every game one nothing, yeah, we'd be on and be like, what a shit show. But I'd be happy because they won. But if yeah. I'm not emotionally invested in the team playing, I want to see as much excitement in the game as possible. And if you're not giving that to me, I'm going to find it somewhere else. Yeah, and you mentioned the two CFO games on Saturday. I mean, 45 to nothing yeah. for Winnipeg. Holy mo! I mean, this Saskatchewan Calgary game was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. Um, 20 to 17, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I watch, I watch all types of football, you know, starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday, I have college football to watch and there just seems to be more excitement, more big plays in that, um, you know, down South right now. And, you know, it doesn't have to be 55 to 53 to be an entertaining game. That's not what I'm saying, but, no. um, we need to, we need to but look 17, at 17, 16 is not a great game. No, and we have to and we have to look at the rules. We have to, you know, in the off season, make, you know, tweaks. Because I'm not convinced that, you know, the players were out for a year and a half. Yes, there's going to be some rust, but we've seen this through the whole season. So I'm not convinced that's the reason. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need to take a good look at this game, and uh, you know, make some tweaks. See if we can get more offense in this game because right now it's not the CFL that I grew up with. Best football game I've seen all year was the Red River Shootout. That was an excellent, like that Oklahoma-Texas game was the best mm. football game I've watched all season. It was back and yep. forth. It was high scoring. It was big plays because that's what you want as a casual observer. And I don't cheer for either Texas or Oklahoma. 
but I was thoroughly entertained and couldn't keep my eyes off the screen. That's what I want as a fan. Big comeback, like, that's what you want. You don't want 10-7, turnover fests, lots of punts. You you don't want that as a fan. And and people can say they like defensive football. You're not, you're in the minority. You're in the minority, yep. Yeah. If we're if we're having games that are, you know, thirteen to twelve or thirteen to ten every every day, I mean every game day, um, we're gonna lose some fans. Yeah. I mean, it's just not and I'm surprised that T I look at the T V ratings and they're they're pretty good still. So that's a good thing, but uh how long can that last if the product doesn't get better? I agree. I agree completely. Uh okay, well that was a actually kind of a fun little discussion at the end there. Uh but that's Pots Community for this week. I'm Josh Smith. Now, Mike Graham, Michael Graham, eat them raw. <laughs> eat them raw.